I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the Star-Spangled Banner. So grab your two-foot stars. And let's get civical. I'm not, we can't do the whole thing. That would be <laughs> no, horrific. No, no. That would be so horrific. Although I was thinking about it and it, did you ever see the video of Fergie singing the national anthem at, a, it was a basketball, like all-star game? No. Okay, everybody do yourself a favor and just look up Fergie basketball Star Spangled Banner. It is one of the worst and best renditions of oh my God. the Star Spangled Banner ah! you have ever seen. And I love it. It's it's we should adopt it as like how we sing it. Um, so I'll send that to you and perhaps even post it on our uh, Instagram channel. So oh my God, go please take a look. Do. Go take a look. 
But I mean, there is, there's no even like, there's no even segue to that. I gave away what we're talking about. <laughs> from the Whoops. from the opening moment. From, from the, the opening, opening moment, moment, which we, oh, I guess I should say, welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Wallentowski. And, you know, we nail the intro every time. Yeah. Every, every time. time. At least you're the one who remembers. I Like, because you're, That's you true. always, you start it, like, you always do the intro. So if we don't do the intro, I don't remember. It's like not a thing on my brain. Right. Well, we so rarely, we really rarely start off on theme. It's true. You know, we almost always start off like somewhere else and somehow through the use of a map, find our way to the, uh, the episode topic. But I don't even know how you don't just like start singing the Star Spangled Banner. No. When you're going to talk about the Star Spangled Banner. Banner. We love a musical number. Hello. Mm-hmm. So anywho, today, I mean, we're just treating you guys to a sweet, sweet full episode about the national anthem herself. And I like, so when you suggested the Star Spangled Banner, I was like, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, that sounds good. And then started researching it. And it's just one of those topics that like, you know, the song. Mm hmm. You know, but, like, it was so full of, like, good information. Ooh, and like twists and turns. Twists and turns and, like, down a rabbit hole. Like, because obviously the Star Spangled Banner is about the flag. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's not just about, like, the flag. It's about, like, a very <laughs> specific flag that was flying. Sure. sure. And I had no idea about that story. And yeah. I had no idea that, like that specific flag like is still around like there's a oh whole... it's still fully alive it's still fully alive, alive i had no idea you know. i had no idea so i i this was like a gift that kept on giving today when i, was I love doing that research. Mm-hmm. i love that too for you i yeah i know a little fu- i can know a couple fun facts about the star spangled banner but it's also one of those things where i feel like i'm gonna be surprised and delighted at every point in this episode recording yeah because i think people want to write it off because we know the words mm-hmm. and we know Francis Scott Key. Great name, by the way. Right. That's it. You know, like, we don't need to learn anything else. But I'm like, I think there's so much more to uncover. There's so much more to uncover, not the least of which. And I didn't put in the full lyrics in the notes because, my God, it's actually my God. very long. It's like five stanzas. Like... Or five whatever sections. It is quite long, like the real, it's, the actual thing. Yeah, like we only ever sing the first part. We made some we made some cuts internally, which I do think uh, was the right move. I think so. But I guess before we get into it, do you want to talk about today's Sarsha Ronan Sources? Of course, of course. Today's Sarsha Ronan Sources. There's, um, there's a lot of them. The Library of Congress. Mm. Multiple... Like sites or pages or whatever from the National Park Service, which is not a site I expected to find a lot of information. But they from. do this. They but do they this do where this they have shit. they have this info. They they mm-hmm. they house information about stuff that has nothing to do with parks. And you're like, okay, NPS, go off, go off, go off. Yeah. They were very helpful. History.com, obviously, <laughs> obviously, and a great article by Kate Lindberry from Smithsonian Magazine, which was like full of information about mm. the actual 
flag, like the specific flag, not the American flag in general, like super great article. Yeah. Love, love, love. Yeah. Okay. Are you guys ready to, oh, say, can you see what this episode is all about? Ah! Let's jump on in to the basics. So these notes are coming from the National Park Service. The U.S. National Anthem and the flag that inspired it are legacies of, you guessed it, the War of 1812, where British forces gathered to attack Baltimore in September of 1814. So this whole thing started in Baltimore. We are in the middle of the War of 1812, Mm -hmm. weirdly now the year is 1814, so maybe we should have figured out a different name for the war um, that wasn't so year specific. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I love the War of 1812 because I think that they were ambitious and they're like, we're going to wrap these, this up in one year. <laughs> oh, yeah. We can get her done. We can get her done. We can get her no. done. Boom, boom. Uh, in and out. One year. Boom, bada, bing. After a 25-hour bombardment of Fort McHenry, they failed to penetrate Baltimore's defenses and withdrew. So this is the British. They are they are knock knocking and dang donging mm-hmm. on Fort and McHenry boom, and booming. Boom, 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 boom. I want you in my room so we can play together. Now and do- okay. Whatever. I'm it's a great song. delusional. I, I have one yeah. brain cell left. She's <laughs> hanging out by a thread. <laughs> You're doing amazing. Yeah, they're just they're just trying to they're trying to get Baltimore. They're trying to get this fort. And can you this is what I love about war, early war, is the fact that cannons aren't working. Like we can't get through to the fort. I think that's hysterical that there was once a time where we just couldn't get through a wall. Mm -hmm. No matter how hard we try or how hard the enemy tried, in this case, the British. So Baltimore. Bombs are bursting all around us. The Americans are hanging in there. Francis Scott Key witnessing the bombardment and seeing and seeing a huge 30 by 42 foot American flag over the garrison was moved to write four stanzas of lyrics to a popular tune of the day. It's just, okay, first of all, 30 by 40 foot flag is huge it's gigantic we're gonna talk about it it, but it's it's gigantic i also like i love that he's like the bombs are falling he's looking at the flag and Mm -hmm. most people would be like i gotta i gotta like reconnoiter i've gotta like i could die i gotta get out of here Die at any moment i gotta like i mean they were being he he was being basically held hostage by the british but like yeah you know, like I, my brain would not go to. You know what I should do? I have to write poem. this down. I have, I to, have write to write it down. The spirit is moving me. I yep. need to write a poem. Yeah. No. And and honestly, and you know what? While I'm here, I'm just gonna put it to music and see yeah. and see how it goes. Yeah. Just just <laughs> we're just gonna see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Francis. Okay. Both the flag and the anthem have become known as the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah. 
We can't do we can't do more than one musical episode per year, or or our <laughs> listeners will stop listening to us. <laughs> Just all singing, guys. I will try to get a lid on it, but I'm telling you, it's been a long week, and it is Tuesday. Oh so God. let's go. <laughs> Oh my god, there's 10 days left in this week for you. Woo! Woohoo! Okay, a little bit about Francis Scott Key. I mean, we all know the name. We <laughs> yes. know him. We kind of like him. He was a prominent lawyer in Frederick, Maryland and in Washington D.C., and he made his name in 1807 by defending Justice Eric Bullman. Justice is like a name. J U S T U S not a judge. Not like a yeah. Um, just to clarify. Um, uh, so Justice Eric Bullman and Samuel Swartout, who had been charged with treason in connection to an alleged conspiracy designed by Aaron Burr. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why couldn't Aaron just literally settle down? I, we, I've talked about this once. I've talked about this a thousand times Mm -hmm. where it's like every time we turn the page of time back and we look at this period in history, we always discover Aaron Burr just involved in some shit. He's popping off. He's doing something crazy. He's, He's trying to get off. other people to do crazy shit with him. Yeah. It's like, absolutely relax. Yeah. Both the Star Spangled Banner and the song written about it are chained to the institution of slavery. Perfect, just- as we all are. Mm-hmm. Francis Scott Key defended and participated in the institution of slavery and his personal ownership of other human beings stands opposed to his definition of the United States as land of the free. National Park Service is not holding back. No, that's what I love is that we're still on the National Park Service and they're like, you know what, Francis Scott Key? What's that? Smells like a hypocrite. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, But yeah, you, you, yeah. Oh, say, can Mm. you see? Okay. Right. By the dawn's early light that you were mm-hmm. a slave owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The third verse of the song mentions that, quote, no ref- no refuge could save that hireling and slave. Oh, close quote. no. I know. It's not clear what he intended this line to mean, and he could have been referring to the foreign troops serving with the British, or perhaps the escaped enslaved men that comprised the British colonial marines, which we've talked about before because the British yeah. were like, if you are an escaped slave or, you know what, if you want, like, come join the British and we will, you can be free. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just a little oh, bit about Francis. Francis. And of course, yeah. he's an amateur poet. And of course, but of course he has a hobby. Right. And of course we put him on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. I love to see it. I love to see it. Okay, let's talk about how how we got from... The bombing of Fort McHenry, Francis Scott Key writing a poem on what I can only imagine to be, like, the wall of the prison he was in. I know, like, and did how, he have paper? I don't understand. You know what? I feel like they did, because in this time, like, it was, you know, if you were kind of well-to-do, they'd be like, yes, you have some parchment in your in your cell, and in you can cell. write to your families. It was, like, normal, I think, to provide parchment. Mm. Or he wrote it on the dirt. I don't know. But how did we get from there to it being the literal national anthem of this country? So this stuff is coming from History.com and, again, the National Park Service. After one of Key's friends, Dr. William Beans, 
was taken prisoner by the British. Key went to Baltimore, located the ship where Beans was being held, and negotiated his release. However, they weren't allowed to leave until after the British bombardment of Fort McHenry. He wasn't like a real prisoner. He was just no. like, mm, you have to stay inside until tomorrow. Right. Because now that he knew what the British yeah. were doing, they yeah. weren't going to let him go so that he could go like help people. They were like, you know, not that they were going to like hurt him or like keep him prisoner, but they were just like, just, just until the fight's done and then you can go home. Right. Key watched the bombing campaign unfold from aboard a ship located about eight miles away. After that day, the British were unable to destroy the fort and gave up, surrendered, bye. said bye, we can't do it anymore. Bye. So this was a real turning point for the War mm-hmm. of 1812, yep. even though it was happening in 1814. <laughs> <laughs> Key was relieved to see the American flag still flying over Fort McHenry and quickly penned a few lines in tribute to what he had witnessed. The poem was printed in newspapers and eventually set to music. By 1899, the U.S. Navy officially adopted the use of the Star-Spangled Banner for its formal ceremonies. Mm -hmm. People began referring to the song as the Star-Spangled Banner, and in 1916, enemy of the show, President Woodrow Wilson, announced that it should be played at all official events. So it does not surprise me that who else other than my arch nemesis, Woodrow Wilson, had a hand to play in the game of the Star-Spangled Banner. I know. Then in 1918, it made its debut in the world of sports as it was performed at Game 1 of the World Series in Chicago. So <laughs> that's that's the real turning point, yeah. I think, is when yeah. Chicago, probably the Cubs, I would imagine, were like, let's play it here at the World Series. The World the Series. World Series. And they started, I mean, they started it. Yeah. Now they it's played at like every event. Yeah. Every sports event. Sure is. Because nothing says America like sports. Mm-hmm. That same year, so 1918, Maryland Congressman J. Charles O. Linthicum? 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 It's a hard one, y'all. That's a hard one. There's no like... Hints There's in nothing. there. There's nothing. Too There's many eyes. No, it's, yeah. So Charles introduced the first of six bills to make the Star-Spangled Banner the official anthem of the United States. Then, uh, kind of a significant amount of time later. Yeah. On March 3rd, 1931. So, gosh, 10, 11 years? Wait, 20? What's the math? 11. 1918. 12, 13, since 1918. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think you need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 13 years after it was introduced, President Herbert Hoover signed into law House Resolution 14, which made the Star Spangled Banner the national anthem. So it's been the national anthem for a long time. A long time. 90 years. Yeah crazy it is pretty wild yep yeah so the lyrics like tell I, me we're not gonna talk about all i'm not, we're not gonna read it we can post no. a thing on social media about it but like it's it's 
you know, it's poetry. It's long. It's he's watching the flag. Really, the opening stanza is like the really like get you in the heart stanza. That's mm-hmm. why we sing it. But over time, various people and movements like added a stanza to the to the national anthem and to like you know support what they were fighting for. Mm-hmm. So throughout the 19th century, the Star Spangled Banner remained the most prominent air used by Americans to express their patriotism. But early on, Americans began to use the song as a means of political expression. Go off. Mm-hmm. In the decade leading up to the Civil War, abolitionists added a new verse to the song to promote their cause to bring an end to slavery in the United States. So, too, did the temperance movement amend the lyrics of the Star-Spangled Banner to promote their efforts to curb the use of alcohol <laughs> and bring an end to the social ills and abuses related to it. I really want to find that. I, We've got to find it. We've got to find want, how they altered it. I want to find it. I want to, like, put it on a pillow. Yeah. And just have it. I, yeah, and just ha- get yeah. it framed. Yeah. I want it. It's like when you think about the lyrics of the Star Spangled Banner, it's like, where are you gonna where are you gonna weave in alcohol to right. this? <laughs> oh say can you see that bottle of rum? It will make you know, like I can't even oh <laughs> so crazy. Uh, but I love that they I love that they they used all the tactics that were available. Oh to yeah. Them. They were like, oh, We're yeah. gonna change the Star Spangled Banner and that's gonna get them to stop drinking. Right. You watch. You watch. This was. This is going to be it. This is the ringer. Um, it's frequent use during the Civil War and by U.S. veterans groups in the late 19th century established the Star Spangled Banner as a standard for patriotic celebrations. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. They're like, oh my God, are, is this a patriotic event? Should we play the Star Spangled Banner? <laughs> you guys, should we or should we not? Or should we? Yeah. It's like being at an eighth grade dance and being like, mm-hmm. should we play the cha-cha slide? <laughs> oh my God, cha-cha. Now that we're all, we're all gathered and we're 14, should we do the cha-cha slide? <laughs> Take it back now, y'all. Yeah. I love that song. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a genius song. It's so good. The cha-cha slide should be the national anthem. It should be. Oh, my God. Two hops this time. I love it. It's amazing. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Find The Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. 
All right, let's talk about, okay, so we've, we've alluded to this a couple of times where there is the lyrics, the poem that Sweet Little Francis wrote, and then there's the tune, which Sweet Little Francis did not write the music to go with the song. The music already existed, right? Yes, yes, yeah, the music okay. existed. Yes, yeah. the music, like literally the, 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 t- the tune, the Oh, not a girl. Francis original. Not no. a Francis original. No. So these notes are coming from the Library of Congress, and we're going to talk about the tune a little bit, where we got where we got the big old bop beedy bop beep bop. You know? Okay, here we go. Sorry, this opening this opening line is hysterical. I didn't it's know great. this was even a legend. I love this. I didn't know. I didn't know either. But I was like, you know what? Now I know, and I got to put it. Now in Now we there. know. Yeah. So if you didn't know that there's this legend, but there is little basis for the legend that the tune of our national anthem was an old English drinking song. So (laughs) rumors are not true. It was not a drinking song, despite Mm -mm. what everything about U.S. tells us. Mm -hmm. It would have been very us to write a song. Yeah. To. Absolutely. Drinking lyrics. Absolutely. On the other hand, there is strong evidence that the members of the club for which the music was originally composed, the... Oh, my God. I know. Anna... Creonic? Creonic? Anna Creonic Society? I think so, yeah. The Anna Creonic Society frequently lifted not only their voices, but also their cups in song. Yeah. (laughs) So they're drunks. They're drunks and they sing. And we Uh love that. So, I mean, I just said a a name of a society that I'm sure nobody knew existed. The Anacreonic Society. Who are they? They were a popular gentleman's club in London named in honor of Anacreon. Yeah, good job. Anacreon, a lyric poet of Greece. The society's patron saint was, was Anacreon and... They were called the Convivial Bard of Greece. So, Secret Society, Gentleman's Club, the things mm-hmm. we love to see. Mm-hmm. They exist in London. It's this old-ass club. Their mascot is a bard. And a bard being, like, a poet of Greece. And they came up with this song that they sang while drinking. And the mm-hmm. tune of that song... Is, is the tune of, of the Star Spangled Banner. the tune of the Star Spangled Banner. It's really wild. Okay, one more note about the, the Anacreonic Society. The society's membership, one observer noted, was dedicated to, quote, wit, harmony, and the god of wine. Get a bunch of losers. Okay. I know. The lyrics to their drinking song were written by Mr. Tomlinson, who had been the president of the society. So... They wrote their drinking song. Mm-hmm. Mr. Tomlinson wrote the lyrics to it. Then we took the tune, not the uh-huh. lyrics, just the tune of that drinking song. And that is the tune of the national anthem. Yep. The Star Spangled Banner. More fun facts about the tune. First published in England, the tune appeared in North America before the end of the 18th century, where, as it happened, new lyrics, including, quote, Adams and Liberty and, quote, Jefferson and Liberty were written. 
The song's appeal may have been due at least in part to its unique metrical structure, which I don't yeah. know music, but I'm assuming that has, that means something to somebody who does. Yes. You know? So I mean I this, get what the I get what the meter is. I don't sure. understand, I guess, like what the what is so particular about the Star Spangled Banner that makes it unique, but yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know music. Not found in any other songs of the period, its striking meter may have been what attracted Francis Scott Key. By all accounts, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. Drag him. Okay, okay. By all accounts, tone deaf, Key had already composed one other poem using the meter of the anacreonic song when he wrote The Star-Spangled Banner. So, uh, hold on. We're uncovering some truths here. The first one being, Francis Scott Key, completely tone deaf. Tone deaf. The second one being, this was not his first rodeo with this tune. Mm-hmm. He wrote another song. Yeah. I want to hear the other song. <laughs> I want to know what it was about somewhere. I want to know what it was about. I know. Like, like, you know, are you like farmland? Are we like riding off into the sunset? Or, yeah. like, I want to know what it was about. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. I think I have. I think I know. Here we go. As early as 1806, Francis Scott Key adapted the tune to an earlier poem he wrote entitled When the Warrior Returns in honor honor of an American naval victory over the Barbary Pirates. The pirates are back! They're back! They're back! Oh no! I love when we're surprised by pirates in our show. Man, more pirates. We really don't seek the pirates out. They find us. They find us. They really do. Hence, there's no doubt that Key was well acquainted with the tune when in September of 1814, he saw the flag over Fort McHenry, quote, by the dawn's early light, end quote. Soon after the battle, the poem and the tune were published, a reminder of the American victory. My God. It's li- like what they would people with National Park Service and the Library of Congress aren't saying is Francis knew one tune. Uh-huh. And he just kept, he would have kept writing songs mm-hmm. to the same tune. He was a one trick pony. He's a one trick pony. It just so happens that this pony like took off. He's a literal one hit. He's like the first one hit wonder. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. The law establishing the Star-Spangled Banner as the national anthem did not specify an official text or musical arrangement, but left room for creative arrangements and interpretations of the Star-Spangled Banner, hence Fergie's um, performance at the uh, All-Star Basketball Game. Oh my god, I gotta watch it. The standard instrumental version was unofficially established as the arrangement used by U.S. service bands. However, other versions include Igor Stravinsky's 1941 version for the orchestra and male chorus, Duke Ellington's 1948 Cornell University arrangements, Jimi Hendrix's 1969 electric guitar version, and the 1991 version by the St. Louis Symphony under Leonard Slatkin. I mean, there's so many arrangements. 
Yeah. So add Fergie to that list. Hell yeah. Library of Congress. Okay, so that's basically the song. Like, we know where she came from, the lyrics and the tune. Francis Scott Key is watching this flag as they're being hit. You know, the fort, the British are trying to destroy Fort Henry unsuccessfully, and he's painting this whole poetic picture and blah, blah, blah. But the whole thing, the whole point is that he's watching the flag. And this is, I mean, I guess if you had asked me, like, I guess I would I knew that there was a like an actual flag. I didn't realize yeah. that it was like a real a, flag? A, a real event where like somebody had seen a flag. Like oh, I just yeah. kind of thought that like maybe somebody was sitting on their porch like watching It was a the metaphorical flag, flag and, and his, Yeah, you know. yeah, like I didn't realize it was like an actual thing. So this whole rabbit hole was like super interesting to me because and also because when you talk about the star spangled banner obviously it's the song, but it's also obviously the flag. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the flag that was there at Fort McHenry. So the Star Spangled Banner's history starts not with Francis Scott Key, but a year earlier with Major George Armistead, the commander of Fort McHenry. I should say this is all coming from the the great uh, Smithsonian article by Kate Lindberry. So this is Major George Armistead. Knowing that his fort was a likely British target, Armistead told the commander of Baltimore defenses in July 1813 that he needed a flag. A big one. I know. Never mind the guns. (laughs) Give me your biggest flag. Give me your biggest flag. Absolutely. I see exactly where he's coming from. Oh, yeah. Intimidation is everything. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. You got a big flag? Ain't nobody coming near you. Mm Mm-hmm. So he, he said, quote, we, sir, are ready at Fort McHenry to defend Baltimore against invading by the enemy, except that we have no suitable ensign to display over the star fort. And it is my desire to have a flag so large that the British will have no difficulty in seeing it from a distance. This is big dick energy. This man is yeah. like. <laughs> I want them to know where we are. Yeah. I want to make sure that they can find us at the quickest available route. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. actually, I, I would take the fort to them if I could. Right. I would move it. I, I can't. Yeah. So we can't. instead. So give me a flag. Give me a flag. Armistead soon hired a 29-year-old widow and professional flag maker, Mary <laughs> Young Pickers, Pickersgill. I know. I know. 29 widow and professional flag maker. Yes. Hi, uh, Lizzie Stewart, widow and professional flag maker at your service. <laughs> I know. What an intro. Oh, my God. I love oh, that. Like, why put in widow? Like, you don't need to know that. That's not relevant to her flag it, It's important. Be, no, because a, a, a married woman couldn't have made a flag of this size. Mm. The, uh, this flag has widow energy. Yeah. It would. It's If she was married, she would probably have too many children to make a flag this big. Exactly. So the professional flag maker, her name was Mary Young Pickersgill of Baltimore. She was hired to make a garrison flag measuring 30 by 42 feet with 15 stars and 15 stripes, each star and stripe representing a state. A large flag, but not one, but not one unusual for the time. Really? I know. <laughs> I mean, like, it's a bunch of big flags. <laughs> we just, <laughs> the land of big flags. Jesus Christ. All right, go off. I know, go off. Over the next six weeks, Mary, her daughter, and three of Mary's nieces, a 13-year-old indentured servant, and possibly mm. Mary's mother, Rebecca Young, worked 10-hour days sewing the flag, 
using 300 yards of English wool bunting. I just, yes. Okay. So it was, it was, um, a collective effort. It was, yes, she did not sew it herself. Herself. Sure. She had, she had willing help and also unwilling help. Because Mary also owned, this particular note is coming from the National Park Service. Again, correcting history. I really have some respect for the National Park Service. Mary also owned slaves who were instrumental in supporting the creation of the flag. An indentured servant named Grace Wisher physically stitched much of the banner by hand. So this bitch didn't even do it. She like designed it and like project managed the situation. She didn't do it. They made the stars each measuring two feet in diameter. That is large. It's huge. That's a that big star. It's a big star. They made the stars two feet each in diameter from cotton, a luxury item at the time. Initially, they worked for Mary's home, which is now a private museum known as the Flag House. Well, we have to go. <laughs> we have to go. That decides that. But as their work progressed, they needed more room and had to move to Claggett's Brewery across the street. Oh my God. I know. It wasn't like a church. <laughs> <laughs> no. They had to move. We just have to go they to the brewery. Had, I'm sorry. I'm I mean, so my dying. hands are tied. We have to go to the brewery. We have to go to the brewery. We have no other sorry. choice. Pick up the gigantic have, flag. It's a large flag. It's a large flag. That's hysterical. Yeah. On August 19th, 1813, the flag was delivered to Fort McHenry. For making the Star Spangled Banner, Mary was paid $405.90. She received another $168.54 for sewing a smaller storm flag, which was 17 by 25 feet, likely using the same design. It was this storm flag, not the garrison flag, now known as the Star Spangled Banner, which actually flew during the battle. The garrison flag, according to eyewitness accounts, wasn't raised until the morning. So the small flag she made was what was actually up the flag. It's what inspired Francis. I think so. I think that's what they're saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if it's the one that's up overnight, that's the flag. That's the flag. Armistead remained in command of Fort McHenry for the rest of his life. Armistead is the guy who was like, get me a flag. Yes. Historians are not sure how the Armistead family came into possession of the flag. But upon Armistead's death in 1818, his wife Louisa inherited (laughs) it. So she, this family is just like, "Mm, it ours. We'll take the flag. flag. But I also like that this is so funny. So Armist there were the, the note of like Armistead being in charge of Fort McHenry for the rest of his life and the rest of his life is four years. <laughs> four years. Four years. I was like, oh my God, uh, this is like what he was there for 10, 20 years? Literally four years and then he died. I'm assuming. Yeah. A military death and or disease. But regardless, it's like, yeah, the flag is still in his possession. It's still it's only been four years. The flag right. hasn't left the premises. Right. So he dies. His wife inherits it. They think it is Louisa, the wife, who is thought to have sewn a red upside down V on the flag, beginning the stitches for the letter A for Armistead. She's just fully claiming uh, this flag. Which oh, my is God. Louisa. Federal property, but like Louisa oh going God. after it. Um, Way to ruin a good thing. I know, right? She is also thought to have begun the tradition of giving pieces of the flag away to honor her husband's memory. Like, bitches, I just your flag. Feel like 
Stop <laughs> stop cutting up the flag. Stop cutting up the flag. We worked hours on this. This yes. is a national monument and we yes. can't keep it intact because you you can't stop cutting it up. No. Oh God. Who are I'm you? I'm not a fan of Louisa. I don't know no. what her deal was. I I agree. Uh, so she was giving away pieces to honor her husband's memory as well as the memories of the soldiers who defended the fort under his command. When Louisa died in 1861, she passed the flag down to their daughter, Georgiana, uh, sorry, their daughter, Georgiana Armstead Appleton. What a name. Like, that is the most, like, English-American name. Yeah, not a lot of Georgianas left. Or Georgianas? Georgianas? Is it Georgiana? I don't know. Georgiana. I don't know. Georgiana. Could be either. It could be. I like Georgiana better than Georgiana. So that's why I chose that version. Love that. I don't know what her name was actually, how it was pronounced. (laughs) So when Louisa died, she gave it to Georgiana over legal objections from their son. (laughs) Fighting over this flag. It's my flag. No, it's my flag. No, it's my flag. I love it. I want the flag. I love us. Mm -hmm. People are dying. Let's go. It's like about to be the Civil War. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Get focused. Several of the cuttings from the Star-Spangled Banner have been located over the years, including about a dozen that are owned by the American History Museum. Oh my God. There are, I know, there are about a dozen more pieces in various museums and private collections, but a missing 15th star has never been found. So check your basements. Check, check your, your cupboards. Let me know you if you may. find a star. If you find a two-foot cotton star, it's you huge. may be in luck. Huge. According to Kathleen Kendrick, who is the curator for the Star-Spangled Banner Preservation Project, there's a... I know. It's great. Go there's off. A legend, I know. I love that. It's a project. There's a legend that the star was buried with one of the soldiers from Fort McHenry. There's another legend that says it was given to Abraham Lincoln. But no real evidence has surfaced to support these stories. And the true fate of the star remains one of the Smithsonian's greatest unsolved mysteries. Yeah, I feel like it, Abe doesn't have it. No. Somebody would have found it. What would Abe would have Somebody not have done anything? Also, it's like it's too late. Like it's yeah. nobody nobody gave it to Abe. No. Like nobody because Abe's like legacy wasn't fully even realized by the time no. he was assassinated. It's not like no. they, they gave him the star because he's the Abraham Lincoln we know today. Right. At that point he was still just kind of head of the union and half the country hated him. Like Right. You know? Yeah. And if Abe doesn't if, have it. I bet it's Abe, I bet it's buried with someone. Yeah. I bet it is too. Because if they had, if Abe had it when he was assassinated, they would have gone through all of his stuff. They would have been like, yeah. oh, look, here's that star. Here's the star. Where's yeah. Mary? Give it to Mary. Mary, go Give sew this Mary. back on. Yeah. But since Louisa couldn't stop cutting up the flag for people who served, oh my at God, Fort this bitch. Henry, yeah. It's with them. Yeah. After Georgiana's death, the flag passed to Eben Appleton. Armistead's grandson, who loaned it to the city of Baltimore for the 1880, oh my Jesus Christ, sesquicentennial for the 1880, what? I hate that word. Oh my God. I know. Sesquicentennial? No. Yeah. No. For the 1880 sesquicentennial celebration, it then remained in a safe deposit vault in New York City until Appleton loaned it to the Smithsonian in 1907. And then five years later, he made the permanent gift of giving the flag to the Smithsonian. So it kind of like just sat there for a really long time. Yeah. 
And then the Smithsonian eventually got it and they had it for a long time. The Smithsonian hired Amelia Fowler, an embroidery teacher and well-known flag preserver in oh 19... 19- <laughs> Go off, Amelia. You oh well-known flag preserver, how you. you. <laughs> how do you become known for that? Like, a well-known who, like, and they, they, the way they talk about, like, the professional flag maker, yeah. well-known I mean, flag preserver. 1914. It was a big thing. Lots of But, flags. like, it makes me feel like I should know somebody who does flags. Well, I people don't know used anybody. to, women used to sew. And True. that's. That's what we forget is that like that was one of the three things we were allowed to do is sew. Babies cook sew. Yep. Yeah. In that order. Mm-hmm. So they hired the Smithsonian hired Amelia Fowler in 1914 to replace the canvas backing that had been added in 1873. Probably because it was falling apart because these people probably just too many holes. Too many uh, holes. They're like, we gotta put something here. This thing is just gonna disintegrate. Disintegrate. It's gonna be flag and 80 pieces for the next 50 years with the exception of a brief move during world war ii the star-spangled banner was displayed in what is now the arts and industries building at the smithsonian Mm -hmm. the new national museum of history and technology which is now known as the national museum of american history became the new home for the flag and they have they had space to allow the flag to hang kind of freely because when it was at the smithsonian it was like the way that they hung it you couldn't ever see the whole thing the whole big, the whole big flag, because it's huge. They didn't have the space, so now it, yeah. uh, when the national, um, the American History Museum got it, um, they were able to like hang it properly. The Star Spangled Banner remained in Flag Hall from 1964 until 1999, when it was moved to the Conservation Lab. Nearly two centuries later, the flag that inspired Key still survives through fragile, though fragile and worn by years. To preserve this American icon, experts at the National Museum of American History completed an eight-year conservation treatment with funds from Polo Ralph Lauren. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I almost almost took that out, but I was like, that's hilarious. No. no. I love that. I love that note. Aren't they the ones that dress the Olympians in those god-awful outfits? The American U.S. Olympians? Yeah. So yeah, I, I get why they Ralph Lauren would donate to the flag being restored. Yeah. So money from Ralph Lauren, the Pew Charitable Trusts, and thank God the U.S. Congress. Sure. Yeah. Got to throw some money over there. Yeah. It's the it's the flag. It's the flag. Yeah. Yeah. So they they fixed it up, and that's still where she is. But like eight I had years. no idea. Yeah, eight years it took. But I had no idea that there was like. A literal flag flag from the actual day flag. that like yeah. still existed. It's crazy that really it still existed? exists and that That's it's not insane. like lost to history. Yeah. That would be That's... that that would be more realistic to me. Yeah. But yeah. This flag is up there. We gotta go, obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. we have to do a whole trip just on the Smithsonian. There's so much in the Smithsonian museums to see yeah that i think my head will just explode when i do have to when i do finally go there and take a look at all of our stuff i know it's gonna be so exciting but that is our episode on the star spangled banner y'all so we hope you enjoy that 
happy anniversary month to the Star Spangled Banner being put on parchment by Sir Francis Scott Key. Don't know if he's actually a sir, but seems like it. Seems like it. Seems like it. And in the meantime, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us. You can review us. You can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.